Thanks for checking out the Oasis Church podcast from Camden, Arkansas. Each week we share the message from our Sunday worship service. Join us anytime. More information at camdenoasischurch.com. Good morning, Oasis Church at home. Man, I'm so glad that you are joining us on Memorial Day weekend. Hey, we're pressing on in our series, Questions That God Asks. And man, if I can be honest, I'm loving this series. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go and turn with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus, where we're going to be at. I read a funny story this week that really tied in with today's lesson. There was a commanding officer who had nine of his GIs who were out on leave, but they I didn't show up for morning roll call. It wasn't until about 7 o'clock that night that the first one rolled in. He came in, was very apologetic. Sir, sir, I'm so sorry. I, I was out on a date. I lost track of time, and I missed the bus. I went and got a cab. The cab, we started driving. About halfway here, we broke down. I looked off in the distance. There was uh, some horses. I went and talked to the farmer. I bought a horse from the farmer because I want to get back here on time. I rode the horse all the way here, but the horse died about 10 miles away from base. And he said, man, I have ran the whole way. Sir, I, I am so sorry. The commanding officer, a little bit skeptical at the time, just really gave him a reprimand. But here's what was so funny. Right after that, each one of the guys started showing up one right after another with the exact same story. Had a date, missed the bus, got a cab, cab broke down, saw a horse, horse died, ran the whole way. As they began to tell the story, this commanding officer, you could just see it on his face. He was getting like tick mad. And about that time, the last guy showed up. Sir, sir, I'm so sorry. Same exact story. He began to tell a story, and finally the commanding officer said, enough. If you tell me right now that the cab broke down on you, I'm done. All of a sudden, that GI said, no, 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 sir, no, sir. The cab didn't break down. It was just there were so many dead horses in the way we couldn't get here. Now, that's what we call an excuse. Hey, parents, can I talk to you for just a moment? I don't know about at your house, but at the Sheets house, one of the times that we hear the most amount of excuses is always at bedtime. It's at bedtime. They never want to go to bed. And I kept thinking, I'm like, well, maybe I should share some different stories. But I found the clip of all clips that show every kid at bedtime. Check this out. Why are you out of bed? I can't sleep. It is past your bedtime. Okay. Back to bed. I'm just getting this. I lost this down. I was scared, but then I but then I wasn't very scared, but then I got scared again. I can see you. I was just gonna come down and put my shoes by the door so in the morning they're already by the door. Do you room? I know, I know. I was just wondering like whether if they were going to impeach Trump. How do you know about that? I was in bed and my sock was itching, so I came to tell you that one of my socks was itching. Um, I was going to ask, how long do you think I-15 construction will be so cumbersome on Lehigh? I was, I think I was sleepwalking. I was just going to say, if you wake up in the morning and come in my room, say, good morning, I love you. I was just up thinking whether you're going to be one of the real housewives of Salt Lake City. No, stay, stay upstairs. Stay I'm up trying to. I can't stop. I can't help it. And all the parents said amen. Now hear me, excuses from kids can be kind of cute from time to time, but excuses from adults, not so much. I'm convinced that adults, I don't think that we comprehend how many excuses we, we give in a day 
we even here in a day? One of the things that I like to do from time to time is I like to go back and look at all of our stats from our podcast. It keeps up with how many subscribers we have, how many uh, listens we have. It, it shows even states and countries and cities where people are listening to the podcast. Now, here's what I thought this week. How crazy would it be if there was a way that, that would keep track of the different excuses you give and you here in a day? Hey, listen, I think we would be shocked. We make excuses for all kinds of things. We make excuses for things we did. We make excuses for things we didn't do. We make excuses to get out of going to different places. Again, I want you to hear me today. Excuses. We all have them, and we all use them. But can we agree here this morning on this statement? Excuses are seldom truthful, almost always handy, and rarely productive. What we're going to see today is in our text today is we're going to see Moses and he's going to come give God excuse after excuse after excuse. Because here's the hard truth of today. Man, kids give excuses and adults give excuses. But there are days, times, and seasons that you and I, we come and we give excuse after excuse to God because we didn't do something or we did do something. Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. Would you look at it with me, Will? This is the question that we are working with today. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Moses said, a staff. If you're taking notes, I think it's a good thing for you to write down. What is that in your hand? Hey, listen to me today. God had a work that needed to be done, and God needed a worker to get it done. Now, that was then, and here we are today, and I'm telling you the exact same thing is true. God has a work that needs to get done, and he needs a worker to get it done without making excuses. Now, to give you a little bit of backstory, we have young Moses. He was put in a basket in the reeds, and Pharaoh's daughter comes over and kind of raises him as her own alongside with Moses' family. But as Moses grows up, he begins to see the Egyptians and the Hebrews, and man, he starts to have a pull towards the Hebrews, one day he's out and he strikes an Egyptian and he buries him in the sand. The next day, all of a sudden, he gets called out for what he did. And Moses takes off running and he spends 40 years in the desert on the back nine raising sheep. But one day he happened to go outside and he looks off in the distance and there is this bush that's burning, but it's not being burned. And here's where we pick up the story, Exodus 3, verse 3. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burn. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. I love this because did you notice Moses didn't go out looking for a job. Moses is happy raising sheep. Moses wasn't looking for a job. The job came looking for Moses. Look, family, if you are a believer here today, if you are a Christ follower, then you have to, you have to, you have to go back and read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 21, because the Bible says, may he equip you with all you need for doing whose will? His will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Listen to me this morning. God has equipped you for carrying out his purpose in your life. Did you hear me this morning? God has equipped you for carrying out his purpose in your life. You still ain't listening to me. God has equipped you for carrying out his purpose in your life. And if that's true, and it is, then the question that we have to wrestle with is why? Why aren't we doing more of what God has called us to do? Can I get real personal? Why aren't you doing more of what God has called you to do? Can I share a big old secret with you? It's because we have excuse after excuse after excuse. Look at what happens in verse 7. 
Then the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, all these other parasites. Look at verse 9. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Now here's the thing. Keep in mind, Moses at this point is neutral. There's a voice that's coming out of a bush, and Moses is standing there, barefoot, bright-eyed, mouth wide open, all ears at this moment. The Lord hasn't said anything about Moses' part in the operation yet. You see, the problem is we've read the story of Moses. Moses is living the story. He's never read the book of Exodus before. He's never watched the movie The Ten Commandments. He's never seen the prince of Egypt. He doesn't have a clue as to what's coming next. The voice said, I know what's going on in Egypt. I can't help but think Moses is thinking, yeah, I know. Man, I've heard it too. Like I've heard a lot of the different stories that are coming out. They're like, God, maybe you should do something about it. And then Moses is fixing to hear something that stops him in his tracks. Look at verse 10. Therefore, come now, and I will send you, Moses, to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Oh, I can just imagine Moses in this moment. Um, come again? You, you, you going to send me to who? To Pharaoh? <laughs> Sorry, Lord, that, that's going to have to be a no for me. And we know this because the first word in verse 11, it's the word but. Now, don't laugh, but we all have a but. Look at verse 11. But Moses said to God, and here's what we're fixing to see. We're going to see Moses serve up excuse after excuse as to why God is wrong, as to why he can't do it. Here we see God calling Moses to his purpose and to his calling, but Moses is trying to wiggle his way out of his purpose. Oh, family, I can't tell you how many men and women today are doing the exact same thing. God is trying to get you to the place you need to be to fulfill your purpose, and you are trying to wiggle your way out of what God has for you. Man, am I talking to anybody here this morning? Listen to what happens next in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And you can go on and read the next few uh, chapters, and we're going to read. What you're going to see is Moses giving excuse after excuse after excuse. Excuse number one is, hey, I'm not good enough, Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. Excuse number two is, God, I don't have all the answers, Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Excuse number three is, people aren't going to believe me, God, Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Excuse number four is, I am a terrible, horrible public speaker, Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Excuse number five. I'm not qualified. Send somebody else. Exodus chapter 4, verse 13. God comes to Moses with his purpose and his power, and Moses is offering up excuse after excuse as to why he can't do what God is calling him to do. Did you hear me this morning? Let me say it a little bit slower for the people in the back. Moses is offering up excuse after excuse as to why he can't do what God is calling him to do. Man, doesn't it sound familiar? I think there's somebody here today and God is calling you or he has been calling you to do something. And for you, it's excuse after excuse as to why you can't do what God is calling you to do. Can I bring you back to the question that God asked Moses? He asked him, he says, Moses, what's in your hand? 
And Moses said, it's a staff. Some of your translations might say a rod. This was a tool that every shepherd carried with them on a daily basis, and it was used to be able to help guide and lead the sheep. To Moses, the only purpose of his staff was to guide and to guard the sheep. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Right? Wrong. Not with God. You see, God tells us and tells Moses in Exodus chapter 4, verse 17, and take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. If you remember that same staff, when Moses threw it down, God said, throw it down, it turned into a snake. And then God comes and he says, hey, I want you to pick it back up by its tail. And when he picked it back up, it turned back into a staff. Look, it was that same staff that was used to get the people of Israel out of Egypt. It was that same staff that Moses struck the Nile River and it turned into blood. Exodus chapter 7, verse 17. It was that same staff that Moses brought a plague of frogs out of the waters in Exodus chapter 8, verse 5. It was that same staff that turned all the dust on the ground into gnats in Exodus 8, 16. It was that same staff that Moses stretched it toward heaven and rang down fire, thunder, and hell in Egypt in Exodus 9.23. It was that same staff that Moses used to part the Red Sea and the children of Israel walked through on dry ground in Exodus 14.16. It was that same staff that Moses struck a rock and all of a sudden water poured forth enough for the whole population of Israel in Exodus chapter 17, verse 6. It was that same staff that went hell high in there. The Israelites prevailed over their enemies in Exodus chapter 17, verse 9. And to think and to think that Moses said... It's just a staff. Oh, don't miss this. There were only two things significant about this stick. It was what Moses had, and God was in it. Man, that's a good thing for you to write down. It was what Moses had, and God was in it. Let's look at that first part. It was what Moses had. Did you notice that God didn't ask Moses what he, he didn't have? Oh, look, let's be honest for a moment. Man, it'd be easy for you and I to make a long, lengthy list of everything we don't have and all the reasons is why we can't do what God has called us to do. God don't have enough money. God, I don't have enough time. God, I don't have the good education. God, I don't have the social standing, God, the platform that I need. And look, the list goes on and on and on. But God never directs your attention to what you don't have. Listen to me today. God never directs your attention to what you don't have. God will always direct your attention to what you do have. And even though what you have might be small and insignificant, it will always be enough. In 2 Kings chapter 4, there's a story about a little widow lady whose husband has died, left her with uh, so much debt, and she's fearful and afraid because they are coming to take her two sons away and to put them in slavery so they can work off the debt that they owe. So she comes to Elijah. Look at 2 Kings 4, 2. And Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Elijah doesn't come down and run down a long list of everything that she doesn't have. Elijah says, what do you have? What can you put your hands on? The Bible tells us that all, that all she had was one jar of oil. Some translations say, uh, more than likely say, a small jar. There are other translations that say a flask. Look, here's the ideal. It's not much, but it's what she had. Then Elijah said, perfect. Here's what I want you to do. Go to all your neighbors. Get as many jars as you can. Bring them in. Put them on the kitchen table. I want you to take the little jar that has very little amount of oil. And he says, I just want you to start pouring. And every time she poured, all of a sudden it would fill this one up. She'd put it down. She'd get another one, pour it, and fill up. Before long, the whole table was full of all these different jars that were full. When she ran out of the last jar, the oil stopped flowing. And then she went and she sold off all these jars and paid off all her debt and lived off the rest. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, Dave Ramsey isn't this good. You see, God took a little and he turned it into a lot. 
because she used what she had. She used what was in her hand. You can go back and you can read stories of the Old Testament. You're going to see the exact same thing. When you come to the New Testament, you see it again. You see a little boy. He gave what he had. It was in his possession. It was uh, two fish and five loaves, and God took it and used it, and it fed thousands upon thousands of people. If you're here today and you're thinking you have this mindset that, Billy, I don't have much. I'm not bringing a lot to the table. I want you to hear me this morning. I can't help but think and even believe that's a good thing. And here's why. That means that God has to be in it for it to work. Man, can I share something with you? And I'm not saying this to get any kind of reaction out of anybody. But when it comes to preaching, and I am terrible at this thing. I kid you not, at almost every sermon, I have this thought about midway through. It's already happened today. And it's these two thoughts. Billy, what, what are you doing here? Like, what are you even talking about? Like, why are you wasting all these people's time? Look, you can go ask Marley. Every Sunday when we get done, on the way home, she's going to ask this question. How do you think today went? Very few times have I ever said it went good. Almost every time I'm like, man, it was terrible. Like, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Now, listen, I'm not telling you that so I can get an onslaught of text. I'm telling you that because God has to be in it. And when God gets in what you have, whoo, it'll always be enough. Look, family, there is somebody here today, and you need to ask God, God, would you get in what I have? Don't miss the weight of this. This might be your single greatest need in your life today. Some of you, you need to come ask God, God, would you get into my marriage right now? Because it's not good. Some of you need to come say, God, I need you to get inside my family right now because it's not good. Some of you need to come say, God, I need you to get in my relationships. God, I need you to get into my job. God, I need you to get in my gifts, my talents, my abilities. God, I need you to get into what I had. God, this thing that I have, whoo, I need you to get in it. And oh, church, listen to me today. When God gets in a thing, It'll never be the same. The same Moses that we see in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 4, what we're reading right here, is the same man that shows up just a few chapters later with amazing courage and obedience and strength and leads that way through the whole book of Exodus. Why? Hmm. Because God was in it. One of the greatest problems we believers have is we have the tendency to underestimate what we have. We think that what we have isn't enough, we think that what we have is insignificant. We think what we have isn't good enough. But I'm here to remind you and tell you today that in each one of these stories, their little bit was enough. When you put what you have in the hands of God, it becomes more than enough. Now, can we get risky here? There's some people that I need to call out on the carpet here this morning because there's someone for weeks, maybe even months, possibly even years, and you've been responding the same way Moses did. Excuse after excuse after excuse as to why you can't do what God is calling you to do. Look, I'll say it. Moses right now, he's not a great role model. He gets better down the road, but right now, the boy ain't doing too good. I want you to know that there's a better way for you to respond this morning. I love the example Isaiah sets for us on how to respond to God's call. Isaiah has this vision of God. He sees God high and lifted up, sitting on a throne, and he's surrounded by angels who are continually over and over saying, holy, holy, holy. And I want you to look at the response in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go before us? Then I said... Here I am, send me. Verse 9, he said, go. Oh, watch me, come, come, come close. 
Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Moses said, here I am, send someone else. I can't do it. And today, God has given you a chance to respond the right way and the best way, but it's completely up to you. So again, let me ask you here this morning, what is in your hand? What, what, what do you have? If you've ever wondered how can I be used by God, if you've ever wondered how can I serve God, the best place, the first place for you to look is what's in your hand because God has given you a unique set of traits, abilities, and talents to be able to use to further his kingdom agenda. It might be a stethoscope. It might be a football. It might be a drill. It might be a classroom. Hey, you pick it. He wants to use it if you will allow him. I love it. God comes and asks David, says, David, what is in your hand? And one season it was a harp, and another season it was a sling and a stone. And God said, hey, I can use it. He comes to, he comes to Paul, and he says, Paul, what's that in your hand? Paul says, I got a pen. God said, that's perfect. I'll use it. I want you to write over half the New Testament. God comes to Peter and says, what's in your hand? Peter said, man, I'm a fisherman. God said, that's perfect. I can use it. Now you're going to be a fisher of men to be able to bring people into my kingdom. Listen to me, church. What is in your hand? Whatever it is, know this. God can use it. Man, maybe just maybe you're struggling, trying to come up with something that's in your hands that God can use. If you'll allow me to help you with this, the first thing that God has placed in your hands that he's wanting you to use for his kingdom is this. God has given you the gift of life. And God has placed you in this place right now, in this season of life, for a purpose and a reason. So listen, how are you using the life that God has given you? Are you using it for for you and your own selfish ambition and for your own kingdom? Or are you using it for others and his kingdom and his purpose? I think the second thing that God has placed in your hands that he's wanting you to use is this. If you're saved, if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ, then you have a testimony. God says, I want you to talk about me. I, I want you to use your testimony to bring others into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Look, you can say, I don't have anything else, but if you've placed your faith and trust in him, then you have a testimony and you can share it. In the simplest of terms, a testimony is telling others about what God has done for you. Paul in the New Testament rarely missed an opportunity to share what God has done for him. I love what he said in 1 Timothy 1.15. He says this, this is the faithful saying and worthy of all exception. Here it is, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Hey, look, share your testimony. Billy, I don't have anything else. You have a testimony that God says it's in your hand and you can use it to further my kingdom. And the last one is this. The third thing that God has placed in your hand that he's wanting you to use is this. It's your ability and gift. Man, when you placed your faith and trust in Christ, he created you with very purpose and intentional to put some things in your hands that you can use to further his kingdom. And he has, listened to me, entrusted you to be a faithful steward of those things, of that gift, of that talent, of that ability. Let me ask you, how are you using it? So the question is this, what are you going to do with what God has given you? What is in your hand? Here's my challenge for us here today. You get seven days, ticking time bombs, seven days for you to use what's in your hand to further his kingdom. Hey, if you're a great note writer, you love to write notes. Hey, write notes and encourage somebody in the name of the Lord. Hey, if you're a great cook, cook your pastor something. Pick somebody and cook somebody a meal in the name of the Lord. If you're great with tools, if you can build stuff, find somebody, work with them, build something for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in his name because God has given that and equipped it. You have seven days to use what God has given you to further his kingdom and his name and his agenda.
Seven days. Would you pray with me here this morning? Father, we love you. God, I thank you so much for the life of Moses. I thank you so much, Father, for his story. And I know right now that it was about Moses, but Father, we really looked at the life of Isaiah too. And God, I just pray right now, I think for so many of us, we've identified with Moses. It's excuse after excuse. But God, I pray that you would change something within us, that we, we step out like Isaiah and says, here I am, God. Send me, I'll go. So God, I pray right now, there's a challenge on the table for seven days. Father, I pray that uh, you, you would spur us on to look at the things that we're good at, our gifts, our talents, our abilities. And I pray that we would use them to further your kingdom and your name and your agenda. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, I just want to encourage you for just a moment. Hey, if, if, if this message has spoken to you in some way, if God has, has been pretty weighty on you this morning, if God is leading you in a different direction, man, if God has spoken to you here today, we want to hear about it. Hey, in the comment section below, hey, leave a couple comments. That this is what God really was drawing me to. Send us a message on Messenger. Uh, we have a website. Find us on our webpage. Uh, there's some different links where you can put prayer requests in, uh, whatever it might be. But we want to hear from you and how God is moving in your heart in this season of life.